If you are listening to the service in its entirety, then you've already been welcomed by myself and by Sherry. And if you're just joining for the message portion of the service, then let me start by saying greetings and, and welcome from Golden Beach Community Church. I'm glad you're here. And thank you for tuning in this week as we continue this message series titled, Absolutely Worth It. And whether you're tuning in to our YouTube channel or our podcast, would you please click the subscribe and like buttons? I'd certainly appreciate it. But this is the second of a three-part series. Last week, we looked at God's investment in us through the New Covenant. This week, we are looking at our investment in God as demonstrated by how we respond to Him. And then the third part of the series, we'll look at the return on investment, or what's in it for us, from everyone's perspective. We'll look at it from the perspective of those who respond to God, from those who choose not to respond, and even the return on investment from God's perspective Himself. And I look forward to discovering some more of God's great character as we talk through this using God's Word as our reference. I hope that you will continue to tune into this series and gain some new insight that you will find both positive and encouraging. So let's begin. Absolutely worth it. This is our invested response in God. And before we can do much else, we need to understand what God invested. That is, what is it that we are responding to? And to do so, we must understand God's commitment to us made through the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is the promise that God makes with all humanity, that He will forgive sin and restore deep relationship with those whose hearts are turned towards Him. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the New Covenant, and His death on the cross is the basis of the promise. Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection sealed the New Covenant, and this is possible because it takes a perfect sacrifice to connect an imperfect being like you and like me, to connect us with a perfect one, the perfect one that God is. And last week we dove a little deeper into God's promises that compose the new covenant. And if you missed it or just need a, a review, I want to encourage you to revisit last week's message. We've also been studying this further during our Wednesday evening online Bible studies, so please consider joining us there as well. And of course, the best source of information on God's promises is God himself. So I also want to encourage you to seek answers to your questions directly from him through the study of his word as printed in the Bible. As we looked at this new covenant from God's side last week, we asked three questions. What does God do as a part of his promise to us? Why does he do it, especially in light of what we may or may not deserve? And lastly, we sought answers to the question, what does all of this reveal about God's character? We're going to take this same approach this week as we look at our part of the New Covenant equation. We're going to ask these questions. How should we respond? Why should we respond? And lastly, what does our response reveal about our character? So the first question is, how should we respond to God's new covenant with us? Now remember, the new covenant is the promise that God makes with all humanity that he will forgive sin and restore deep relationships with those whose hearts are turned toward him. So the promise, the, the deal, is offered to all humanity, absolutely everyone. Then the caveat is we must turn our hearts towards him. So the, the most basic answer to the question of how we respond is this. Is your heart turned towards God? Yes or no? 
That's not a hypothetical question. It absolutely matters what you decide, yes or no. And friends, you can't help but respond. God's covenant is with all humanity, every man, woman, and child born, every man, woman, and child yet to be born. So each and every one of us will be responding. If we choose not to respond, then, then that is our response. And what it sounds like, it sounds like a resounding no to the question, is your heart turned towards God? And he hears that loud and clear, and it breaks his heart. 1 Timothy 2.4 reminds us that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And 2 Peter 3.9 reminds us of God's patience in waiting for us to come to the right decision about a relationship with him. Now I'm making an assumption that I hope is a safe one. Your presence here indicates that you are at least open to turning your heart towards God, even if you may not fully understand what that means. So fear not, that's what we're going to be learning about today. Now, your response to God's promises includes many things. First, we respond with appreciation and with praise. From 1 Chronicles 16.34, it instructs us to give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, Paul reminds us to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the psalmist writes loving poetry that includes expressions like, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults. And with my song I give thanks to him. And the psalmist writes, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And also, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And of course this one, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we respond by giving thanks, we show appreciation, and we give praise, we give gratitude through song and through word. Second, we respond to God by communicating regularly and sincerely with him. Colossians 4.2 advises, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And again from 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 4, 6-7, we find these words, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now that one sounds like a good one to hold on to these days, doesn't it? No, I said communicate regularly and sincerely. And let me tell you why I said sincerely. It's because God knows you. And to think that you can talk to God or, or even operate in, in God's presence, which by the way is everywhere, and not have him see what you do or have done or, or know what you're thinking or hear what you're saying is, is foolishness. Okay, so, so be sincere when you pray to God. Be honest. 
hey, I'm worried about this. That's not going to come as a surprise to God who knows you so well. Hey, God, I really messed up. Well, he knows that. A part of the therapeutic nature of repentance is you voicing that repentance. Okay? A third way that we respond to God is through our obedience. These are obedience to his commandments, among other things. And of course, you can't use the word commandments without thinking the original Ten Commandments. If you'll recall there, I'm the Lord your God. You will not have any other gods before me. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, and don't cover your covet your neighbor's goods. And and these are you know the 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 paraphrase the condensed version of each. And and certainly when it says don't cover your neighbor's wife, it talks about coveting their things, their animals, their property, and their servants. You know, um, don't bear false witness. You know, we we want to simplify that to lie, but there's so much more to these. So I, I they're really worthy of their own study, of course, but. I just want to remind you that there are ten commandments and, and responding to God starts with obedience to these. Additionally, we should be obedient to Jesus' teaching whose message was love God, love your neighbor as yourself, forgive others who have wronged you, and love your enemies. And, it, and what's interesting is this last one, you know, technically by, by Jesus' definition, our enemies are our neighbors too. So why do you think it is that his teaching his life ministry said love your neighbors as yourself and love your enemies because that should have all been included but he i think he knows i think he knows how hard it is for us to love everyone and and this was so important that when when asked in matthew 22 36 through 39 the question was asked teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law and Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and this is typical of Jesus' teachings. These are his words. He's answering this question himself with his own words, but he's sharing God's words. He's not replacing them. He's repeating them. He's teaching them. In this case, these words, which you know I just read from, from Matthew 22, 36-39, are found in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and Leviticus 19, 18, respectively. Old Testament. These are God's words, and Jesus is saying, these, this is the greatest commandment, and I'm not making this stuff up. It's been around since the beginning of time. Another way we respond to God is by honoring and pursuing our calling. You know, sometimes God gives very specific instructions to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. He, he says, Abraham, go. Leave this land. Go. And to James and John in Matthew 5, 19 through 22, he, he talks to them. This is the fisher of men comment that you're familiar with. They were fishing, and, and he says, you know, come. Come with me. Leave this. And then Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew 9, 9 Again, the instruction is not go, but the instruction is come. And sometimes God is very specific with his instruction to go and do something or to, to follow him and, or to do something, um, 
you know, elsewhere. Or, or sometimes it's, it's stay where you're at and do what you're doing or, or wait on him. But sometimes God is more subtle and, and perhaps it is integral in the way that he created you. Now, we have a puppy in our house and, and this puppy uh, loves when we throw a ball. And it doesn't seem to matter how many times we do this. There's something about chasing that ball that brings joy to this dog every single time. Well beyond when we've lost our joy with it. So what is your throw the ball thing? What is it that is in line with God's word and brings you joy and fulfillment that you want to do, that you enjoy time after time after time? Or, or you think you would because you haven't done it yet. That likely is your calling. You respond to God's unconditional love by pursuing your calling in service to him and his children. Finally, we respond when we repent and we are baptized. And, and these are obviously in no particular order because this one is so incredibly important. This is the cost of admission to heaven. Repent and be baptized. In Acts 2.38, we find Peter dressed in the Israelites following Jesus' crucifixion. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, he made him both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brother, what shall we do? And Peter replied, now listen to this, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember the crux of the, of the new covenant. All who repent will be forgiven. So you respond by repenting. That, that just takes an apology in, in conversation with your father, who, remember, already knows what you did. So pray with sincerity and humility and let him fulfill his promise to you. And if you have not yet been baptized or feel called to talk about it further, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out to me, whether you have questions, doubts about it, or, or you're ready to take that step. It would be an honor and a blessing to talk to you. So let's, let's talk soon. The second question we want to answer this morning is, why should we respond? Well, to put it eloquently, Jesus' words found in 14, John 4.14 read this way. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Responding to God allows him room to do his work in our lives. God's going to do what he's going to do. Don't you want to work with him and not against him? Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And why delay or impede the blessing that he has specifically in mind for you, but not working with him? You know, responding to God also fulfills our purpose. From Jeremiah 29.11, and it's often quoted to bring us peace in uncertain times. And can I get an amen about the uncertain times we're in now? But listen to God's words as they relate to his promise of a purpose for you. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you, and he knows what it is. He's declaring that. And they're not 
ambiguous plans. They're not unimportant plans. They're, they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He has a plan and purpose for you. Responding to God fulfills that purpose. And in Ephesians 2.10, we are reminded that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to fulfill these purposes, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So responding to God, turning our heart towards him, meets our spiritual need. It, it fills this God-shaped hole. And, and if you're like me and you visualize things, you know, there's a, a God-shaped hole, not a God-sized hole. I mean, certainly it could be, but God-shaped. Because we, we as, as humans, we try to cram things into this hole that, that aren't meant to be there. Our jobs, our title, our, our possessions, our finances, even relationships, things that God wants to bless us with, good, wonderful things, and we try to replace his spot in our heart and in our lives with these otherwise good things. It's not that God, it's not just that God's bigger than these, it's just God is made perfectly to fit in this spot in your life. Well, responding to God by way of keeping the greatest commandment means that all of us are blessed. And this is the, the premise behind the, the B3rd ministry's mission. If we put God first and others second, and then we keep ourselves third, because it is important to not forget ourselves in all of this. Don't get lost, because God wants you to be happy. Remember, he has plans to make you happy and prosper you. So don't forget that you're third in this. But you're a whole bunch of other people's number two. And that's great. That's a great place to be. Because if you're only worried about yourself and putting yourself above God and others, then you may be the only one doing that. But how wonderful would this world be if everybody put God first and everyone else second and kept themselves in the count too? Responding to God allows us to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is from Acts 2.38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I read this just a moment ago, but in a few weeks we'll be studying the role and the gifts of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday evening. So again, I hope you'll consider joining us. And let me give you this absolute reason to respond to God's new covenant from Acts 4.12. It says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. All of that being said, all of these reasons of, of why we should respond and how we should respond, simply consider what it costs God to make this covenant promise to you. And let that soak in for a moment. Lastly, I want to look at what your response reveals about your character. In 1 Timothy 6, the second part of the 11th verse, we find these words of instruction, encouragement, written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. It says, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And this was written immediately after he advised Timothy to flee sinfulness like the love of money. Not only is the character of a person known by what he flees, but, but by why, what he but by what he pursues. Let me say that again. Not only is the character of a person known by what he flees, but also by what he pursues. So, so Paul lists six godly character traits that the man of God should pursue. Righteousness. 
You know, pursue being right in God's eyes, but know that it is this new covenant that makes true righteousness attainable. He says, pursue godliness, and, and this is to strive for your character to reflect that of God himself. And again, we talked last week about God's character. Faith, believe beyond your own understanding, trust in him. Love, love everyone all of the time, period. Paul says, endurance. So stay true to your beliefs, hold tight to your faith and your godly pursuits. And lastly, he lists gentleness, because humility and compassion are signs of love and they promote peace. And to this list, I would add these, gratefulness, you know, thanksgiving, forgiveness, so that one's tough, peacefulness and confidence. And these are all, you know, reflections of your character when you respond to God and his promise to you. But perhaps the opposite would be true if we did not know and pursue godliness. Maybe we would reflect things like entitlement. Because we believe we deserve all that we have, if not more. Perhaps we would show self-centeredness. You know, look what I have. Look what I've accomplished. How good and how righteous I am. It's not a godly character. And perhaps the character most accurately revealed in one who chooses to not respond to God is one of ignorance. Now, I'm not saying stupidity. I mean, true, it's a bad choice. But I'm saying ignorance because if they only knew God and if they knew what he had done for us and knew what blessings and hope he has in store for us, then, then we would surely turn our hearts towards him with gratitude and humility and all of the other wonderful ways that we can respond. My friends, you are part of the greatest, best, and most enduring deal ever made. God bet the life of his son, Jesus Christ, that you are worthy of his love and blessing. Furthermore, you are worthy to be called his son or his daughter. And he is excited, as excited about spending an eternity in heaven with you as you are as excited about spending an eternity in heaven with him. God made this trade with you in mind, and it was absolutely worth it. Will you respond to him today? It will be absolutely worth it. Let's pray. Father God, in these uncertain times, it is so assuring to know that there are some things that never change, one of which is you and this new covenant, this promise that says, if we repent, if we turn our hearts towards you, you will every single time continue to love and forgive us and accept us into your family as, as your loving children. God, we are so hard on ourselves sometimes and, and that negative self-talk creeps in and, and maybe even in times like this where we're apart from our friends, we may be feeling this isolation even more. But we're not isolated from you. We're never isolated from you other than the isolation that we create ourselves. And God, that just breaks your heart because you want that relationship with you. You are right there with us every single moment of every day. So as we ponder this week and really think about what it means to respond to you and your promise, let us do the right things. Let us be mindful of every opportunity that we have to respond, to accept the love and mercy and grace that you have wanted to give us. 
and let us return in kind by showing you faithfulness and loyalty and love right back. And let us pay it forward as you've asked us to do by loving our neighbor as ourselves, by extending forgiveness and grace and mercy, because that is what we need ourselves from you. God, as always, I just thank you for this church, this congregation, the technology we have to be able to still share messages today, even though we are part. Lord, as, as we pray for a, a quick and complete resolution to this stay-at-home order, and more importantly, the, the pandemic itself, I ask for continued strength and courage and peace and care for every one of my Christian brothers and sisters. Lord, may these words... Uh, reach people hungry for your words. May uh, may we all be a little more in tune with what you have us do. And Lord, I just give this service and this message to you. Amen.